Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, I am honored today because, you know, We've been wanting to get the lieutenant governor on this podcast for such a, a long time now. And uh, so I'm so very excited today to have the opportunity to, um, to speak with Lieutenant Governor um, Garland Gilchrist, where, and he can speak to the 13,000 um, employees that we have at the MDOC. So first off, Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, I know this morning was very busy for you to come on field days. We appreciate it. This is a <laughs> tremendous honor. And this at, in the beginning up top, I want to I say thank you for having me. I want to thank all of those women and men who uh, are doing tremendous public service through their work as part of the Michigan Department of Corrections. I want them to know that uh, me and Governor Whitmer love and support you and thank you for that service and want to make sure that you know that uh, the folks who are trying to drive this ship of state government uh, have your back, have your front. Uh, We really appreciate the work that you're doing. We appreciate the work and the leadership of Director Washington. Um, she's one of the leaders we're most proud of in the administration, her, her career as a leader in, in criminal justice and um, making the system work for more people has been recognized nationally. And, and we kept her on um, from the previous administration because that work was that important. So we just were really proud. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's awesome for you to say that. You know, we agree. Um, you know, the MDOC has, is, is recognized nationally. I mean, you know that. For the for the work that um, our staff are doing, and they're doing some some really great stuff. So thank you for saying that. We really do appreciate that. But we also know that corrections and criminal justice issues are a passion of yours. I mean, we've we've heard it uh, in the media. We've heard it um, through our administration. So can you talk about why you have a passion for criminal justice? For yeah, um, I, I do, and it's interesting because so I, I'm a, I'm an engineer by training, and so sometimes people are surprised because like I'm not a lawyer yet I care about this but uh, but this is a this is a the system of criminal justice impacts people's lives regardless of whether or not they directly have been in contact with it whether they've had a negative judgment whether they've been in contact with the police whether they've been incarcerated in some form um, but we all are connected to someone um, who has had some experience with the system and that's true for me whether it's my you know friends I grew up playing basketball with family members uh, and everywhere in between. So I've seen, you know, people have, you know, frankly, positive and negative experiences with the system. And as I began or begin, frankly, as this is my first role in public service, I think it's important that public servants try to, you know, leverage the experiences that they've had in their lives and apply them to how we can make systems work better for more people. And so when we think about systems that touch everyone, this system for better or for worse is one of those. And so um, it was very important to me and I appreciate the governor um, enabling me to be able to work on this as part of my uh, core portfolio of issues. And, you know, I want to see this system be one where we are um, doing two things, where we are certainly working to maximize the safety of the people of the state of Michigan, and two, that we are preparing the people for the state of, of the state of Michigan to be their best selves and to be successful in whatever way that means for them. And I, and I describe those goals broadly because... They apply to people, again, who are 
directly in contact with the system, either uh, because they are uh, currently incarcerated or because they are working in that system, or people who are who are loved and depend on and are connected to those folks to society at large. And so there's a responsibility here. There's an opportunity to make progress that benefits the entire state of Michigan. And that's why I care so much about this this round. And one of those systems I think that you're you're talking about are are jails, right? I mean that's part of the criminal justice system. And I know you are playing a huge role in this right now. You're a co-chair of the Michigan um, Task Force for Jail and Pretrial Incarceration. You know, we, we interviewed your, your other co-chair, uh, Chief Justice Bridget Oh, Bowler, she probably gave you some a couple months ago. Yeah. yeah. So she, she, did, she was awesome. She, she, she did an awesome job. You know, she's a, and she's, a, she's a, a Michigan fan, so that doesn't, that doesn't hurt. But, uh, you know, she talked a lot about, um, you know, her views on this. And, and it was interesting to hear that from a, from a, you know, a Supreme Court Chief Justice. As a co-chair of that task force, I'd love to hear your point of view on um, kind of how it's going, you know, where, where we're at with that, what, yeah. what you're seeing statewide. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, um, the Chief Justice has been an amazing partner, amazing to work with. And yes, she's a Michigan fan like me, so therefore this Absolutely. is the best task force that's ever been <laughs> assembled in the history of the state of Michigan. What's been really uh, fantastic about this, first of all, is the partnership. So the task force has partnered with the Pew Charitable Trust, which has provided $1 million in financial support, as well as, you know, seven or eight full-time staff members from Pew who are data analysts and policy analysts. And they're doing the deepest analysis on the county jail system that's ever been done in Michigan. We really can get a clear picture and understanding about who is in county jails. Why are they there? How long are they there? What is the nature of their experience? And we need that type of, you know, analysis and understanding so that we can make good policy choices. And to the extent that we can have that data and information um, inform this really, I think, uh, you know, august set of uh, task force members, 21 people, it's bipartisan. They represent all different perspectives. There are legislators from both parties. There are judges. There are prosecutors. There are defense attorneys. There are people who've been formerly incarcerated, either at the county jail level or or in in prison. Uh, There are... uh, People who are representing um, victims and, and crime victims and their their rights and advocates. There are people who are running um, centers for restorative justice. There are these really just amazing set of people who come together, and working with Pew has really, I think, opened up the door, opened up possibilities for us to have conversations about asking the question about why the system works the way it does, but recognizing that we have an opportunity to really you know move the ball forward in three key ways. One is to reduce people's contact with the justice system or with the jail system in this case. Two, how can we ensure that we're treating more people with dignity when they're that, when they are in contact? So whether that means while they are incarcerated, maybe that means pointing them in a direction that is not incarceration. Right. Maybe that means for the people who are working in our corrections facilities at the, at the you know again at the county level for the purpose of the task force, how to ensure they're having a, you know a, a good experience as professionals and as people, and then how can we prepare people to be successful uh, once they're done with the system? So again, if you are exiting the system. Are you prepared? Have you get gotten skills or training or opportunities? Do you have the health and certain social service supports that you need to be successful? These kind of things are super important to us. And the task force, I think, is going to make some very substantive recommendations coming in January about some reforms to the county jail system that I'm very uh, excited about and very excited to work with task force members on. Yeah, we we touch this system too, the jails, county jails, with you know with some of our offenders. Yeah. Um, and I like what you said. One of your points were the people that work inside. County jails. You know, number one, are they okay? Number two is the interactions that they have with people inside the system is so impactful. It can yeah. be so positive or yeah. so negative. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you're talking about that because 
correction staff, no matter if you're a jailer or in a state prison system, can impact somebody's life. We need so, to be so empathetic much. to the human experience yeah. every place that presents itself, yeah. right? And and, and when, when I talk about humanity, it's because you know systems are comprised of people, and um, we need to make sure that those people are you know well prepared, well supported, um, that they know that if there are issues or challenges or problems, that they have a pathway to get those resolved safely. Like I mean, we need to really be thinking about that experience so that everyone can you know, make it to the next day in a way that's as healthy as possible. I think this is really important. Agreed. And I know, obviously, we're talking about jails, but we're here with the Department of Corrections, and we were just recently at the Parnell Correctional Facility yes. and, and toured the, uh, got to see the Last Mile program. I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on that program and what you thought. And Well, I, that was a really uh, cool experience because, so I said my, my, my training is as an engineer. And I'm a, as a software developer specifically. So I went to college to be a software developer. I was a software developer professionally for the first four years after I graduated. And so to see this last mile program, this amazing partnership with Google, to see that come to Michigan, to see uh, these men um, taking these classes and learning, this is not an, your typical like boot camp, which I have a whole lot of opinions about. But this is, they, these, these guys were learning like for real like software development principles, like computer science not just coding, which you know, is a difference. And so I was quite inspired by what I saw. And I was inspired by the, uh, by to hear from um, the people who were in the program directly. And this is, this is on the one hand, yes, it's about giving people a tangible sort of marketable skill that they can then apply when they come home. But I think it's about more than that. Again, going back to recognizing humanity, recognizing that every person has the potential to learn. Every person has the potential to, to, to move to a new frontier mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I think, you know, the Vocational Village Program is a national leader in this for a reason. And the last mile, I think, is just the latest iteration of one of those sort of really uh, innovative programs that, that give people more access to opportunity. I think it's worth noting that, that MDOC has been a leader in this for a while. I mean, I, I am very proud, you know, when I was in D.C. earlier this year, to work to try to advocate to expand access to Pell Grants, for example, uh, for people who are currently in the Department of Corrections. Michigan's a leader. There's only like three states where that even happens. Um, but that's because we in Michigan have made the choice to recognize that people, just because you're in prison does not mean that you are not worthy of being able to further your education and that you should have all the supports uh, available to you to do that. So I appreciate that. I think last mile was a great um, illustration of it. It also was a great illustration of how um, MDOC is willing to partner with outside entities to create opportunities, uh, whether it's that, you know, I know the governor this summer got a chance to launch a tree trimming program with DTE and again, giving not only just marketable skills, but also just saying that, yes, you are worthy of getting skills. Um, and so I got a chance to like walk through that when I was down back in the car. So, <laughs> so that was right around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, was, it was a targeted exit. <laughs> yeah. um, these, are, these are foundations to continue to be built upon so that we can have, you know, provide really world-class services in the MBOC. And I'm proud to to work alongside the, the staff and leadership to make it happen. And I know, obviously, we'd love to have you there, but and, but that's not going to be the end because we need to tap your connections in the software world because these guys are going to be getting out and they're going to be needing jobs. So you know what? I would be happy to brag on people who have gotten this sort of training uh, in Michigan uh, at Parnell um, and then in the places where we hope to expand the Last Mile Project to to, to have those folks uh, be hired. And I think there's there's real evidence uh, that shows that when you open up your hiring practices to people who uh, have had these histories, mm -hmm. that you get better results. I think it was Goldman Sachs. They uh, made a big commitment a year ago and announced that they were going to ban the box, basically, that they were not going to um, 
they were not going to discriminate against hiring based on who their criminal histories. And so they, they made this announcement. They had a, a, a like a 10 or 12% increase in the percentage of people who they hired who had criminal um, histories. And those people on balance were over, were outperforming their peers. And so I just think it goes to show that, again, everyone has value and our, our systems of corrections need to recognize that. The policies that, that govern those, those systems need to recognize that. And when they do, um, we will get better outcomes for, for all of the people and we'll get better outcomes for our state. You mentioned the, the DTE program and obviously, and then the last mile and uh, all the things that, you know, the, you and, and the governor have, have, been, have done just in the, in the short time you've been in office. And I know everybody maybe came in thinking that fixing the roads was going to be the, the big thing. And that, that's, that work is still going on. But I think it's, I don't, do you, do you think like, do you think people in Michigan realize and nationally even how much we you guys have done in the criminal justice realm? I mean, it's pretty impressive. I, it's, you know, I have to say, if, if you would have told me uh, on, you know, on January 1st at 12.01 p.m. when officially I became Lieutenant Governor of Michigan, that as we come up mm-hmm. on the end of the, our 10th month, that the area where I think we've had the most tangible, discreet, difference-making um, achievements would be in the realm of criminal justice. Like, I can't say that I would have taken that bet. You know, it was an issue that I certainly care about and that I wanted to make progress on broadly, that there's this amazing bipartisan consensus about at the state level and at the national level. But I think this is a good illustration of recognizing that what is our real core responsibility as as you know, governor, lieutenant governor, who we stay while our job is to, you know, make sure that we're um, promoting and protecting the health and public safety of people in Michigan and that we are creating the conditions for as many people in Michigan to be successful in whatever way that makes sense that safety makes sense for them. And, you know, really with those two things, like that is what a healthy system of criminal justice should also seek to optimize. And so if you think about it like that, like it makes sense. Like this is something that we should have these tangible wins on. And so I'm very proud of that. And I hope to build on that momentum for the rest of the time that uh, I'm in public service. Matt, obviously a lot of things that we've talked about are to the benefit of, of the individuals that are in the system. But I think it's, you mentioned at the top, the importance of, of staff. And uh, and you've been no stranger, even just in the last 10 months. You know, you, you came to our employee awards banquet and, and, and walked around and met with folks. You came to our headquarters and, and did a tour with, with the governor and obviously at the last mile. Why is, it that's, why is that so important to be out and be so visible amongst state employees uh, for you and the governor? You know, people call elected officials public servants. People who work in government are public servants. And, and, you know, and I, I maybe empathize this a little bit. My dad was a career federal employee, federal uh, Department of Defense employee. And so I, I know um, the commitment that people are making when they choose to be to work in the public sector. And I respect that and honor that and want to recognize that and show that there are people who are who are driven, who are bright, who are innovative. And you need to know that like management supports you. Like in order to be your best self at work, like it, it, it helps to know that the people who are at a different part in the org chart recognize and value your work. So it's important for us to show up for state employees in MDOC and frankly across the board. One of the things that really broke our hearts, and I, I mean, I was, I was over at a different state agency yesterday and I met a woman who had been working in state government for 41 years and she had never shaken hands with a governor who was in a government. To be very clear, like I'm 37. Right? So she's been working in state government literally longer than I've been on the planet. But for all the governors who have come through Lansing, I just find that interesting that none, that she had just like never seen one in person. That tells me that there's been something broken about how responsive leadership has been to the people who work with them directly. And so our administration 
you know, from the beginning, it was a priority for, for Governor Whitmer and I to ensure that we visit every agency during our first month in office. Um, and we did that to let you know that we're showing up with you to work with you to move the state of Michigan forward. Like we do not have all the answers. We do not have all the capabilities, but we believe that the, the people, the legion who make up um, our state government workforce can do that. And in the Department of Corrections in particular, look, being a correction officer is a really hard job. A really hard job. Like it's way harder than being a lieutenant governor. And so um, we need to be supportive of people and make sure they have what they need. I know that the department, you know, very recently um, has lost a couple of staff members. And I think so much of you know what can contribute to this is just the job is hard, it's stressful, it can be dangerous, and we need to beyond condolences. So what can we do to create additions for more people um, to feel supported, feel protected, to know there's someplace they can go, someplace someone they can talk to. Um, to help manage that challenging work. And, and I, and I want to also make sure that that work is not thankless because I want to say thank you um, and let you know that we support people. So that, that's critical. And I think if people feel supported, they can you know, do better work. I come from the field side, field operations side, where it's parole probation, the parole board. Kind of curious when you're going to go out and see some parole probation agents? And see yeah, you know, work? okay, look, I, <laughs> I, hey, on. hey, and it's real. So, so I, uh, you know, I live in Detroit and, um, we, we had a couple of false starts. We're going over to see some, um, some POs in the city. Yeah. So, no, that's something that we want to make happen. Yeah. And to be really clear, I mean, this again, this is like the, the, the totality of the system and all the places where, um, where people are working and interacting with, with the community is, is super important. So I want to make sure that, that I have relationship and visibility into, that, into this process and, and make sure that we're understanding. Because one thing I know for sure is that as we're you know, entertaining these, these policy choices that, that are before us, you know, the people who are you know, directly impacted the people who are doing the work, you know, on the ground, in the field, wherever, like, these are the people who have the ideas, the best ideas about how to deal with the challenges because you understand the challenges better, right? So it is my responsibility as a policymaker to ensure that those lines of communication are open, are robust, are, are transparent so that um, we can have the best inputs um, because without good inputs, you really can't get good outputs. One last quick question for you, and it's, yeah. it's kind of a fun question around social media. Um, yeah. You're very visible on social media. Uh, you seem to enjoy it. I like the internet. Yes. Yeah. So we have, we have a lot of young staff, too, that are um, just coming into this profession. And So talk about why that's important to you. Why, why do you use social media so much? So um, we have a really great uh, team here uh, in the executive office working to make sure that we are, are as accessible as an administration um, as we can be, and I'm really proud to work with them. You know, for me, it's important. I'm a – bluntly uh, – I have very little in common with my predecessors, um, I guess, if I could say that. Look, I'm, I'm not the youngest. Actually, my predecessor was younger than me when he took office, but I'm relatively young. I'm from Detroit. I'm black. I wasn't an elected official previously. Um, I actually respect and understand the internet. I want to use that tool um, as a way to give more people insight into what governing does and can look like and um, want them to really be uh, there with me as I'm experiencing this stuff for the first time. So, but to say that we can all go on this journey together and um, social media uh, gives gives me the opportunity to to open that door for more people to experience this with me and to really enrich my own um, experience with this. So part of that is just like selfish. Like it's more fun for me <laughs> when other people are able to experience and participate. And even if they're saying like not nice stuff about me on the internet, but you know, that's, that's part of the game. Right. But I, I think it's important to make sure people know that their elected leaders are available and accessible 
and responsive. And we always could be better about that. We always could be more transparent. But um, to put that forward, um, because I don't because I don't know that people really ever get a good sense of like what is like the actual work of one of those jobs. Yeah. You know, um, what what does it actually look like? And so hopefully, if somebody you know, follows me on Twitter, follows me on Instagram, you know, you know. they will be able to see like, okay, this is like the kind of stuff this person does. And it's not just the same kind of thing over and over, but there's all these different things. So right. yeah, that's what it's about. Well, um, Lieutenant Governor, we can't uh, thank you enough. I know we probably took too much of your time up today and I apologize, but uh, it was so, it was so great to have you on. We can't, we can't thank you enough for, um, for number one, coming on and taking time to do this. Number, number two, um, for what you do every single day, what, what I could have a conversation with you all day about this kind of stuff. Um, it's so enjoyable. And, and I thank you for um, for what you do and your mindset and kind of the way that you want to help human beings. So um, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing to work with y'all, continuing to work with everybody in the department because we have a lot of good work to do. Well, Chris, those are always fun podcasts. You know, it's really it's really nice, but really to me, it's really cool that uh, you know we've had the governor and now the lieutenant governor already on our podcast. Um, you know, we're just a a little DOC podcast show here. And uh, it's cool that they take time to come on and talk about corrections, thank the staff for what they do, you know, because they're busy, busy people. So it's it's very, very nice that they do that. They do that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. And I really liked how much time he spent talking directly to staff and, and sending that message. And I think it's really important for our staff to hear, especially those, you know, obviously those who listen and hopefully our staff will encourage other people to listen to hear. You know, it's important to know what the lieutenant governor thinks and, and what the governor thinks uh, about our department. And so, uh, like he said, you know, that person that he talked to who had worked for state government in a different department for, you know, what, 40 some years yeah. and had never met uh, a governor, lieutenant governor, uh, to be able to hear uh, the lieutenant governor talk about specifically our department and how uh, impressed he is uh, and, and appreciates all the work that our officers and our agents and everybody does. Uh, I think it's really important and it was really great for him to, to, to take time to talk to us but to talk directly to our staff. Yeah, I know, I know we had limited time. Um, we usually do with the lieutenant governor and the governor, um, but I could have literally sat there all day and talked about leadership and, and, and corrections fun stuff all day long. I mean, that was, that was just a blast for me. So huge thank you to uh, Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist for, for taking time to do that. So talk about what, what's, what's happening next week. I know next week is a very, very important week for us um, with veterans. And I know, I know we have Veterans Day next week. Are we going to – we probably should do a podcast around Veterans Day, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to have Monday off like everybody, except for obviously our staff that work inside. And we've got a lot of uh, veterans in our department, uh, several thousand uh, staff members who, who are veterans. The director of Washington for a number of years has now has done – a lot of individual efforts around Veterans Day. You know, the last couple of weeks when I've been in her office, she's been uh, personally hand signing uh, cards to go out to all of our all of our veterans uh, around the department. Uh, there's a lot of going to be a lot of uh, festivities at facilities and field offices recognizing our veterans, and so we thought well, we should probably do that too. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we are going to be at the Thumb Correctional Facility next week, and we're going to be talking to some folks who run the, the Blue Star Service Dogs Program, which is a program that trains uh, shelter dogs uh, and then provides those to military veterans on the outside who suffer from things like PTSD and other invisible injuries from that they received or that they had when they were overseas or in, just in the military service. So it's a really great uh, program. It's a really great thing that our staff, or, I'm sorry, our prisoners, uh, and also the staff that help it, but the prisoners that can do and to find a way to give back and to help our military veterans. So be uh, fun to have you guys listen to that uh, episode. So tune in next week for the Field Days podcast. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook, 
at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.